heard a story about a man who had a hunting dog. He wanted, he wanted to try his hunting dog out, so he went out and let the hunting dog loose. And first dog came across a bear, and then he came across a deer, then he came across a rabbit, then he came, then he came across a, a mouse. <laughs> the dog didn't know which way to go because he kept sniffing this, sniffing that, and the whole time he was hoping he was hoping that the dog would catch a rabbit. <laughs> so it so happens in so much in life when we're supposed to do one thing, we get ourselves out of focus in so many different areas, isn't it? It's just the nature of commerce of life. Uh, I have to intentionally put my phone down a lot of times when I'm studying, like put it somewhere else, or turn off apps on my even or screens on my on my computer so I can focus on what God is saying. It's important that we have time. When when you when your kids go to when you go to the kids go to wild, when I was there oh a few years ago, <laughs> a few years ago, many moons ago, they had what what, what we called God and I time. God and I time was simply with you with you and your Bible, not with your friends. You and your Bible, and they gave you a portion of scripture to study. I, I probably they probably still have that at the wild. I hope they do. But it was a good time that you set aside that you're quiet with God. You're listening to God. You're focused on God. And it's something we all need to do. We need, we need to do that in our life because we need to be focused on what God has to have, what he wants for us. Sometimes our Christian life is just like that hunting dog. We're going every which way. But we need to be focused on what God has for us. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we see here, starting in chapter 1 and going back into verse 13, it says, Wherefore? Gird up the loins of your mind. I may say, first of all, ready your mind. Ready your mind. The spiritual, the spiritual battle doesn't start in that organ, which is called the heart. Really, the spiritual battle starts in your mind. In your mind. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Interesting phraseology. The word gird up, according to A.T. Robertson, is a vivid metaphor for the, for the habit of the Orient who quickly gathered up their they're loose robes with a girdle. We're in a hurry or starting on a journey. It's the only time this is used, this phrase, gird up, is used in the New Testament. The word loins is, is the, the center part of your body. It's where, the, of course, the girdle would be located. And, of course, the mind is the center part of your, of your body. People, when people actually, when the Bible refers to the heart, most of the time it's not talking about that eternal uh, internal organ that pumps blood in your chest right now is talking about the the center of your your body the the focus of your body the your really your mind your mind because who you are is really who you think you tell me what you think about I'll tell you who you are tell me what you listen to tell me what you watch tell me where you go tell me what you think as a man thinketh in his heart so is he that's why, it's so, that's why it's so important what you think about. That's why I say to you, and you hear me talk about more than any subject that you'll ever hear me talk about, is knowing the Bible, is learning the Bible, is studying the Bible. Because I know if you'll get in the Bible, if you'll study the Bible, if you'll meditate on the Bible, if you memorize the Bible, it will help in your thinking. You have to replace stinking thinking, which is evil, with spiritual thinking, which is the Word of God. And you have to do that all day long. A thought will pop in your head. You've got to replace that thought. Because, see, a bird may fly by your head, 
And you may look up on it, but you don't want that, that bird to set up a nest in your head. See, if you think on that thought a little very long, it'll make a nest in your head. You start thinking about some, how somebody wronged you. You start thinking about how somebody, how, how somebody owes you something. You start thinking about uh, what happened to you 30, 40, 50 years ago. You know what? Before long, you start thinking about that. That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to be overcome with evil. The Bible says don't be overcome with evil. Rather, overcome evil with good. What's the best good you can put in your mind? The Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, friend. You've got to get in it. You've got to listen to it. Read it. Focus on it. That's why Paul, Peter is saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. That belt, that fastening device is important. A few weeks ago, I was asked to, to uh, give a uh, like graduation speech at a former school, Gospel Baptist Christian School in Bonita Springs. And before I went there, some friends of mine said, hey, would you like to go golfing? I said, sure, sure, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go golf. I'll go golfing. So we went golfing. I got about halfway into the golfing. We played 18 holes. I got about 19, about nine holes into it, and my belt broke. My belt broke. I mean, talking about trying, I'm trying to hold up my pants, golf, all with like one hand. It was the it was a bad situation. I was looking for some rope, some bamboo, anything. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. I mean, I can't focus on golfing. I got to focus on keep my pants up. That's terrible. But dear friend, that's how the Christian life is. You have to have everything sensed up because if you don't, you won't be focused. You'll be worried about so many other things in life but what the Bible says. See, the Bible is the center of one's being. The Bible says in Psalm one night of the, the, the Bible, in the Bible we see the center of one's being, it's called the heart. Psalm 119, 11, the word, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 37, 31, thy law of God is in thy heart, none of his steps shall slide. Psalm 40, verse 8, I would delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, the law is in my heart. Psalm 119, 127, therefore I love thy commandments above gold, above all fine gold. Psalm 119, 133, order my steps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. It's the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. How's your heart tonight? How's your heart? I hope it's, I hope it's focused on the word of God. Uh, still can't get this thing to work, Brother Pat. I don't know what's going on with it. It's all right. I'll just keep preaching. I'll just keep going. We see treasures from the scripture. When, my, when, I, when I'm in the dark and don't know what to do, it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I'm dissatisfied, depleted, or empty, it's sweet like golden honey, refreshing like cold milk that revives and strengthens my soul. When I'm in dismay with a broken heart, God's word is like a healing balm that soothes the pain and restores my soul. When I feel dirty from limbering around the wicked or from making sinful decisions I regret, it cleanses me like a cool running water from a mountain stream. Oh, how wonderful the word of God is, is, is it? I wonder tonight. Is the word of God precious to you? Is it precious to you? By your actions this very week, could you say with all honesty the word of God has been precious to you? Is it precious to you? Oh, dear friends, if you want a defense against the attacks of the devil, 
is no greater attack than the knowing the Word of God. We see the importance of decluttering our mind, but secondly, being in control. It says, wherefore, grip the loins of your mind, be, be sober. It says, be sober. <laughs> when we think, think of that word, to be sober, we all automatically think, well, that means not drunk. Well, it has the idea of self-control, of self-control. Are you known as somebody who has self-control? Or are you known as someone that flies off the handle over every little thing? Great peace have they that which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Are you easily offend them, offended? I mean, you get mad and drop a hat, and you drop the hat. Do, are you known as somebody at work that has a ten, throws a ten, temper tantrum? Alexander the Great, one of the greatest leaders in the known world, conquered much of the world, three continents by the age of 32. Unfortunately for him, he was somebody who could not control himself. Towards the end of his life, he got complacent because he defeated everyone in his battles pretty much. He became a drunk, became a wicked person when he became drunk. Now, he had, uh, when he was sober, he was, he was a great fighter. He was intellectual. He was charming, had many great attributes. When he was a drunk, as some of you have seen drunks, he was a horrible drunk. He was so bad, his best friend from his childhood, a man by the name of Cleotus, who was a soldier with him, grew up with him, great friends with his family. He got in a fight with his his friend after a, a banquet when Alexander got drunk to the degree that he killed his best friend. And the next day he woke up in horror that he would actually take the life of his be best friend and all because he could not control himself. Dear friend, if you can't control yourself, that's a bad thing. Best thing sometimes when you don't, when you get in a disagreement, this is good marriage counseling, this is good marriage counseling, walk away. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Hey, you start that whole dialogue, I disagree. No, I disagree. Well, you always disagree because you're just like your mother. Oh, you start that dialogue. You're just like your brother. You're just like your dad. I say, when you go to the just like a, <coughs> I gave this couple here some, some words of counsel. Never use always and never. See, that's a bad thing to do. You start going there. You never, ever, ever put the lid on the toothpaste. Now, I did that 10 years ago. I put the lid on the toothpaste. I remember, I remember it. So you can't go on that never, ever stuff. You start that never, ever. How can you? You can't, you can't, you don't remember that well to say never, ever. You never, ever. You start that never, ever. It's a lose, lose. Don't ever, don't ever, ever say never, never. <laughs> it's a bad thing. Stay sober. The word sober is from the Greek word, which means to be calm and collected in spirit, to be self-controlled, steady, or, uh, or, or, or circumspect, to weigh matters, not to lose control of thought or actions. Oh, declutter your mind. It's working a little bit. It's got a mind of itself. I know. It's okay. I just keep going. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine, we're in success, but be filled with the spirit. Titus 2, 12, teaching that it's an, an and denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What's some insights on self-control? Well, first of all, control your temper. Control your temper. Proverbs 16, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the, than the mighty. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Probably might need a battery. Proverbs 16, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit uh, than the, he that taketh the city. 
Control your thoughts. We talked about that. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Control your tongue. Woo, that's going to be a sermon in itself, amen? Proverbs 13.3, he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth, keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Oh, dear friend, sometimes the best thing to say is say nothing. How many arguments would you not have been if you just had said nothing? Now, if you married folks, you've been married more than like four days, you know, you know the buttons to push on your spouse. Best thing to do, not push those buttons. Especially when you get ready to come to church. You know, because that's exactly when the devil wants you to push those buttons. Because if he gets your mind off the scriptures and what else the preacher's saying about you ain't singing Rock of Ages, you ain't thinking about Rock of Ages, you think about what your wife said in the car. You spent too much money. How many Amazon boxes coming in this week? You had to go there. You had to go to Amazon. That's one of those buttons you just do not press. Amen. Amen or oh me. <laughs> How many shoes are in the closet? Oh, don't start that. You know, the Visa card needs to be paid. That's probably not the conversation you want to come as you're going down 39th Avenue. Okay? You might not want to. You might not want to. How long did you talk to your mother last night on the phone? These are all conversations you might not want to have. I'm just trying to help you folks. I'm just trying to have help you. Be quiet. Best thing to do is just not say it. Don't say it. Be quiet. You say, preacher, how can I do this? How can I do this? Galatians 5.16. This I say, then walk in the spirit and shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that so much. Amen. Gird up. There you go. Be in control. Be sober. Be sober. <coughs> Keep looking up. That's the third statement. I'll go back one. Be sober. I read there was a southern army colonel that was famous on the battlefield. He came back from the war, and everything was different. Everything had changed. He was discouraged. He was defeated. His family was pretty much desolate. And he came back to, the, came back to Ashley, Charleston, South Carolina, and he became a drunk, became just, the, just defeated, hated his life. There became a, a riot in the town. And some of the uppity-ups said, what are we going to do? This, this, these folks are destroying our beautiful town of Charleston. What are we going to do? And they said, how about we go talk to the colonel? Maybe he will help us. They put on him a, they put on the old, they put on the old, old, old dress grays. They put a, a, a signet of his office, a, a sheriff's badge on him, told him to go out there. He got on his stallion. He got sober, went out there. And within 20 or 30 minutes, he quieted the entire riot. Went back, took all his stuff on, went to the bar, got drunk. You see, when he, when, when he was needed, he had self-control. But really, the war was over for him, and he was defeated. Dear friend, self-control shouldn't be a certain time like when we come to church. It should be all the time. Self-control should be when you at home, in your house, with your kids. Mom and dads, with your kids. When hey, the time not to argue, moms and dads, is not when your kids are there. It's not that, that's not the time. When they go to bed, shut the door, then you have a nice conversation. <clears throat> Previous church had a bus route. One of the kids came in crying to one of the bus workers. He said, kid, what are you crying about? He said, last night I saw dad 
dragging my, dragging my mom through the house by her hair. So, preachers, that happen all down the street. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors? Horror goes on, goes on behind closed doors. Because what are people doing? The same things they, I tell you what they're doing, the same things they see on TV. That's what they're doing in those houses. But dear friends, we're sanctified. We're, we're, we're different. We're saints. We're not ain't. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to act different. When you find yourself getting upset, when you find yourself getting angry, find yourself getting frustrated, sometimes the best thing is just walk away. And to walk in the spirit. The only way you're going to be successful in life is to walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit. Declutter your mind. Be in control. And thirdly, keep looking up. Keep looking up. It says there in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, it says uh, verse, verse 13, But the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's this talking about? About his coming back. About his coming back. <laughs> you and I have a specific hope. Not only do we have salvation in the past, where that always talks about being justified, just as, as, you, as you've never sinned. We're being sanctified. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're looking for that blessed hope. We have the hope of his return. To be saved is a beautiful thing to know you, you don't have to sin anymore. Oh, dear friend, that's enough to praise God for. But to know not only do you, or you have been saved, you are growing in your Christian life. You have something even greater. You have the fact that you have a better place to look forward to. You see, you, find, you, you and I can go through almost anything knowing that there's a day was coming to an end. These hot days of summertime, when you get up in the morning, it's just a little bit cool, but you know the, the heat's coming. But you know October, by the grace of God, is coming. And November, December, and January, and February, and March. Oh, glory days when it's cool again. Oh, dear friend, looking forward to that day, looking forward to that day when Jesus comes back. We have a hope. We have a hope. This word hope is from the word which means, it means it not, it not only means to hope, but it also means to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. It comes from the root word which means an expectation of good. So we say hope, we think hope. We say, well, preacher, I hope we get out of here by, at least by 9 o'clock tonight. That'd be nice. Get out here by 9 o'clock. Maybe go get a little some ice cream before I go to bed. I hope so. But see, the hope that, that Peter is using is not a maybe, a maybe kind of a thing. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. Your friend, your salvation is more sure than you're sitting there in your seat. It's a sure thing. It's a guaranteed thing. Nothing can change it. It's absolute. It's in hope. We're to hope to the end. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Titus 2, 11 through 13, For the grace of God which bringeth salvation appeareth unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I heard a story about this Duke named Duke Hamilton who had a, a disease of consumption which was causing him to die. 
a little before his departure of the world, he took a passage from the Bible. He read in 2 Timothy, I fought a good fight, I've kept the, I've kept the, and I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, the Lord righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. And as he was preparing to die, he called his younger brother to his bedside and addressing him with greatest affection and seriousness, he said these words, and now, Douglas, a little time and you'll be duped, but I shall be a king. (laughs) He went from being a duke to a king. Oh, dear friends, we're all going to be kings because we're joint heirs with Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither there entered the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Oh, dear friend, my, I promise you today, no matter what situation, no matter what status you're in today, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, your better days are ahead of you. Your better days are ahead of you. How are we going to live this life? We have to ready our minds. We have to read our mind. But secondly, we see the reject the lustful lifestyle of your past. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Not fashioning yourselves. Interesting word. This phrase, not fashioning yourselves. It's in the Greek word, which means to conform yourself to another's pattern or to be guided by. That's why it's important who you spend time with. That's, a, that's important. Who you, who you, who you uh, run around with. Hey, man, you can't run with a skunk to smell like a rose. You can't lay down with dogs and smell and come up without fleas. Who you spend your time with? You said, preacher, people say, well, preacher doesn't know Jesus w- was a friend of sinners. Yes, he was a friend of sinners, but most of the time he was with his disciples. He was with his disciples. What was he doing? Because he was helping them. Dear friend, I don't do barroom evangelism. I just don't do it. Because if I'm in the bar room long, I'll be drinking with them. I just don't do it. I don't stay around, I don't stay around temptation. You stay around temptation, dear friend, you'll be, you'll be tempting others people too. Stay away from it. It doesn't say go around temptation or play with temptation or walk around temptation. It says flee youthful lust. Flee temptation. Get away from it. Oh, my friend. If you struggle with the temptation in your life and you say, well, you know, I'm just I think I'm just going to, you know, just 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 kind of just, you know, just just kind of just stay on the other side of it. But I, I'm going to be kind of near it. No, you you look in the fa- you look in the fall. <laughs> the best thing for you to do is get as far away as you can. Stay as far away as you can and don't make provision for the for the flesh or the, for the field of lust thereof. This word. Metamorpha, metamorphosize, emphasizing the idea to change across from one form to another. The biology term metamorphosis comes from this word. The word of God and, and the, yielding of the yielding to the Holy Spirit will transform your mind and change your life. I mean, because you've read the word of God, because the spirit of God is in you, you should be different today than you were 30 years ago. Because the word of God should wash you and cleanse you and help you to be different. You have to choose a different lifestyle. The old friends I used to have, I don't have those old friends anymore. I, I know of them, but I don't spend time with them like I used to. The old music that I listen to, I don't listen to that old music anymore. Now my flesh wants to. Hey, my flesh loves the 80s. That's where I'm from. 
You, hey, you play the 80s, it can be like the gong show. I know it by two notes. I don't listen to it anymore. Why? Because that feeds my flesh. If it feeds, hey, I go into a store, it plays the 80 music, I can tell you where I was, who I was with, and what I was doing. I can, I can tell you. I don't listen to it. Why don't I listen to it? Because I don't want to feed my flesh. Because I don't want to go back to where I was in the 80s. Because where, where was I in the 80s? I was in wickedness. I was in, I was in depravity. I was on my way to hell. And if I fill my mind with 80s music, I'll go back to that. And if I think about that before long, not only will I think about it, I'll be wanting to do it. That's why everything you do is important. It's important. We have to be different. You have to consciously say, like I did to all my CDs, my, my stack of tire of CDs when I was in Bible college because I got convicted about listening to rock and roll. I had to call my dad and I said, Dad, burn every one of them. Throw them in the fire. He said, Preacher, don't you know how much they're worth? I don't care if they're a million dollars. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it, folks. It wasn't worth it. Get rid of that old junk. It didn't help me. It didn't help me then. It sure wouldn't help me now. What do you have to do? You have to cut the ties of your past, or before long, you'll be going back to the past. Oh, I read this afternoon. 1519, the Spanish explorer, Conquistador, Hernando Cortez. Remember, heard of him? Remember him in school? Decided he wanted to seize the treasure of the Aztecs. <laughs> He took 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, landed his 11 ships on the shores of the Yucatan Peninsula. Despite the large armies with under his command, he still was vastly outnumbered by a huge, powerful empire that lasted over 600 years. When they saw that, the soldiers were scared, were frightened. What did he do? He burned the ships. He said, guys, we're not going back. Dear friend, if you have... If your flesh has any way to go back to where it used to, it will. You have to, hey, whatever's tempting you, you struggle with anything in your life, you struggle with on a regular basis. Best thing to do, get rid of it. You need to get rid, just get rid of it. You say, preacher, I struggle with that temptation. Well, why don't you get rid of that? I'm, I struggle with watching too, too much TV. Well, get rid of it. What? Do you really mean it or not? I struggle with what I use my cell phone. Get rid of it. What? I struggle with buying too much on Amazon. Get rid of it. What? Anything but that. Not that. Not that little orange icon on my app screen. I can't tap that anymore. And the package be here tomorrow. Well, dear friend, if you're buying something every day, might want to delete that app. Better than app than your husband. Amen. Or your wife. Amen or oh me. What's it costing you? What's it costing you? Ready your mind. Reject the lustful lifestyles of your past. And finally tonight, remember the holiness of God. Remember the holiness of God. The word transformer, I looked at these words. Remember the holiness of God. Look at this, this one. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 13, <coughs> 13, 14, 15 now. It says, as which you have called, but he that has called you to a holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. 
If we're going to be consecrated to the Lord, it is vital to remember that our Lord is holy and expects us to be holy. Our lives will be patterned after him. If people don't look at our lives, what, is, what are they supposed to see? Well, dear friends, we're not perfect. There's nobody in this room perfect. The only perfect person to ever walk this earth is Jesus Christ. But we should at least pattern ourselves after. We should at least try to be like that. And when we fail, because we all do, is we humble ourselves and admit it. The worst thing you and I can do is try to say we're perfect or act perfect when really we're not. It's, that's, that's, nobody wants to be around a bunch of hypocrites. Man, man, just if you fail and we all fail, admit your failure because we all fail. Man, if, if, you're, if you're married and, you're, and you're with kids and if you're not telling your wife or kids at least once a week, probably more than that, that you're sorry, you're wrong, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that. If you're not humbling yourself on a regular basis, you're probably just proud or a hypocrite. Just be straight out honest with you. Because you know what, you can't live this life and not, and not struggle with sin. But the thing that to do is not we'll say, well, preacher, I just give up, I'm not going to do it. No, that's not the, the fetus mentality. That's not the answer. The answer is being humble, confess your sin, and by the grace of God, keep trying to live for Christ. The Bible says, though, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, be ye therefore perfect. That talks about the maturity, even as your Father which in heaven, which is perfect. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, be ye followers of God, even as dear children. God has called us to, to be holy. The cherubim is flaming sword that guard the way to the tree of life and the garden of Eden was, were symbols of sobering truth to Adam and Eve. What was that truth? Why couldn't they go back into the garden? Didn't God love them? Didn't God care for them? God is holy. God is holy. When God came with those angels and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't God care for them? Didn't God love Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, he did. But you know what? God is holy. God is holy. Nadab and Abihu sinned against God. Even though they knew better, they didn't do better, and God destroyed and killed their lives, God did. God struck them dead. God struck them dead. You say, preacher, doesn't God love them? Doesn't God care for them? God is holy. God is holy. Men and women are going to stand before the white throne judgment of God. God says, Jesus Christ is going to be the judge. He's going to be the righteous judge. And if he doesn't find that na their name in that book, the book of life, their name's not in it. The Bible says he's going to cast them into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. You say, doesn't God love them? Yes. He who, who, he who will give the judgment is the person who died for them on the cross. But they will go to hell forever and ever and ever. You say, God, doesn't God love them? Doesn't God care for them? Yes. But dear friend, God is holy. God is holy. Oftentimes we love to talk about the, the love of God. But when it comes to the holiness of God, oh, man. Why? Because all of us in this room, all of us struggle with being holy. We struggle with it. I heard a story about this flower in the Swiss Alps called the Edelweiss. A very name of this plant is a story in itself. Edelweiss is a compound word in the German language, which means noble and white. It's a small perennial herb in the aster family whose white blossom must be sought out since it nestles in the highest snowy crags of the Alps. It is absolutely white that blends in perfectly with the snowy environment, losing its identifying characteristics completely in its surroundings. Even when picked and pressed in paper for, for preservation, it remains free from discoloration for many years. It remains pure. If we're to be like the Edelweiss, we must keep ourselves pure and noble, and endeavoring every day, choosing every day 
to be holy as God is holy. Holiness, dear friends, is not a chance. Holiness in each of our lives is a choice. None of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, have to sin. Every one of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you choose to sin. Tomorrow as you get up, you have a choice. You turn on that TV screen. You listen to that music. You walk down that aisle. You talk to that person. Every conversation, every action, every decision you make with a click or a touch of your tongue or a touch, holy or unholy, holy or unholy, holy or unholy. It's a choice. Nobody made you. Nobody forced you. You're not a victim of your circumstances. No, dear friend. You have, like Adam, a free will to choose. And the longer you blame it on somebody else, your, your, your circumstances, your wife, your parents, your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional situation, the longer you'll be hooked to that sin. The best thing you can say by the grace of God is I'm a sinner saved by grace. God help me by the grace of God not to sin. And if you in honesty and have a sober mind and a ready mind choose not to sin, dear friend, God will give you the strength and power not to sin. You don't have to. You choose. Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. All of us here in this church tonight, Father, we all struggle with sin. With sin. We're sinners saved by grace. Father, we still struggle with that old carnal nature, that old sin, sin nature. I pray, God, you'd help us, Lord, to choose today, tonight, tomorrow, the rest of this week, Lord, the rest of our life by the grace of God to live for you. Lord, we make choices every day to do right or to do wrong. Help us by the grace of God to be holy. Forgive us when we don't. I pray, Lord, that if anybody in this room doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that tonight they would recognize him. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone in this room say, Preacher, I know you talked about having a ready mind. Lord, having a, having, having a, having a, a, a being sober in this life, being, being serious-minded, being, having self-control. You're talking about looking up to the, to heaven and looking forward to God and and I know you talked about being holy but really I don't even know really what you're talking about I'm, I struggle with some of these base things I struggle with in Christianity at all I'm not even sure I'm a Christian maybe some of the things that I'm talking about tonight confuse you simply the reason why they confuse you is you don't know God you don't have a relationship with him and dear friend don't be ashamed because that's exactly where I was before I was saved I heard many a message that I did not understand and the reason why I didn't understand it because I wasn't saved. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you could say with a, with a raised hand, I promise you I wouldn't embarrass you, but I'd pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure if I, was, if I was to die tonight, I'd go to heaven. I don't understand the things you're talking about. I'm not sure where, I, where you're even at, but I need to know God. I know one thing for sure. I'm not a Christian, but I want to be. I don't want to go to hell, but I want, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. If that's your prayer tonight, could I pray for you? Anybody at all? Preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know. I don't know if I was to die the night I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. I'd love to know Jesus. I just don't know him. I don't know him. 
Maybe you're like me. You say, preacher, I am saved, but I struggle with sin. Maybe there's something in your life, maybe something specifically you've been battling this week or this month or maybe this year or maybe for a long time. Something that feels like it's a stronghold in your life. You're just, you're, it's, it's just, it's just, you fight against it. You fight against it. You, you feel like you, you, every time you take a step forward, you fall in four or five steps back. You feel that way tonight? Maybe you're struggling with something tonight and you say, preacher, I need your prayers. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling with sin in my life. Be honest. Anybody be honest tonight? I'm struggling in the area of my life. Now be honest. I'm just being honest tonight. I'm not here to embarrass you, friend. I'm here to encourage you. You got no greater encouragement in this room than your preacher right here. I love you and I'm praying for you. Preacher, I'm struggling tonight. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Is there an area of my life where I'm struggling? I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? Be honest tonight. Anybody at all? Let's stand at our feet as the music plays. If God has spoken in your heart, maybe there's something that God has brought in your mind right now. You can pray for it right there. If you'd like to come to this old altar, make a come to this old altar and pray about it. Just give it to the altar. <laughs> The song is, is you're all on the altar? I can't think of a better song tonight. Is it? Could you be honest with God? If you were standing before God tonight, could you say, is you're all on the altar? Is there something in your mind, something in your heart, something you're struggling with, something you're dealing with? Preacher, I I can't fight it anymore. I need help. come God has spoken to your heart tonight would you come do business with God tonight I encourage you to